Rugby Report, Japan 2019 with Betfred. Hello and welcome to the Rugby Report, Japan 2019 with Betfred.、Uh, my name's Nick Heath and I'm back in London. Oh, shocker. I'm Tom May and I am in pissy, rainy Fukuoka. Fukuoka.、Uh, very, very good. Yes,、uh, sad to be back home,、uh, missing. The Japanese vibe.、Um, remind me of it, Tom. What have you been doing? Today I've been down,、um, I went all the way down to Beppu, which is a pretty long way, I've discovered. It took me three hours to get there, three hours to get home.、Um, was in there with the England team today, which was, which was pretty cool to, to be in there and see them getting ready for the, this weekend's game. What else have I been doing? I had a couple of days in the mountains, which was great. I had、Very、a couple、nice. of days away. Yeah, we so- saw you up at Mount Asso. Yeah, like,、um, I mean, the thing was going off. So we, we, I wanted to walk around the, the sort of edge of the crater and we couldn't get within a kilometre of it because there was a loudspeaker going off saying, don't go anywhere near it, you might die, basically.、Um, so, oh, it, yeah, it's been,、um, it's been erupting for quite a while. So I did a bit of trekking up there and then、um, I came back up to Fukuoka, got to work for the next three days and then into.、Um, Into the weekend's games. Looking forward to it. Yeah, we have got、uh, four cracking quarterfinals to look into.、Um, first of all,、um, I should just、uh, give a shout out to our friends at Rugby United who have been、uh, helpfully spreading the word of the Rugby Report.、Uh, so、uh, do make sure that you're following those accounts and meeting up with those guys if you're a rugby fan looking to get the best out of the game.、Um, they're a great bunch and、uh, yeah, uh, they've been super helpful to us. Also,、uh, to Sean and the guys at Fill Your Boots Rugby,、uh, doing a great job of making sure that if you want Games to be played, then,、uh, then let them know because、uh, if there are players hanging around that could come and fill in, well, it's great to get matches played. So,、uh, so thank、I'd, you to them as well. I'd say also that if anyone's got an opinion that they want to voice on a podcast and they're going to any of these games, specifically the ones in Oita or the semi finals,、mm-hmm. then come and find me because I'm more than happy to record your opinion and then tear it to shreds later on. <laughs> yeah, that would be good. Yeah, get in touch with us on at the rugby report underscore、uh, or at Tom May one.、Um, meet up with our former England centre and yeah, give him your views. That would be good. And by、um, also, a huge thanks. Yeah, a beer is, is a prerequisite.、Um, also, a big thanks, of course, to our sponsor.、Um, and、uh, here's a moment from them. The Rugby Report is sponsored by Betfred. Quarter final time in Japan. There are some belters this weekend with England against the old enemy Australia. Oh, the sweet, sweet memories of 2003. And the Irish against the Kiwis on Saturday morning. Ireland naming 12 players who beat New Zealand in Dublin last November. Just saying. Sunday has Wales against the extremely well rested French. And Japan looking to stun the world and also the Springboks. Betfred, a double delight on all the quarter finals. So back the correct first try. Scorer, he sticks another over the line, and you get double the odds. 18s and over, be gambleaware.org. Singles only, maximum stakes apply. When the fun stops, stop. Visit betfred.com for full T's and C's. So, how is it being back in England?、Um, when did you get back? Monday or, or Tuesday in the end?、Uh, I, I think it was, yeah, Tuesday. Tuesday at about midday.、Um, yeah, it's, you know, it's nice to be home and to have the home comforts, although my home comforts don't include、uh, the famous Toto Washlet. Uh, which, uh, which is a shame. But、um, <laughs> I think it's, it's weird actually. I sort of i'm pining to be surrounded by Japanese people. I just find that there's an element of, I think, the 
the respect, the politeness in in Japanese society, um, perhaps the honour of of sort of you know you please you go first into the lift or through the door or into the restaurant or whatever it is that that kind of thing I just think is is really nice and and getting back to the UK, travelling back from the airport and just going oh. This this isn't the society of of yeah. people who take their rubbish with them and who, UK, and who look out for each UK other. UK really is full of twats. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going that far, but it, <laughs> it's. I mean, I guess I'm also. You know, I live in London. You don't have to go too far before you see perhaps somebody that that isn't doing terribly well. Poverty is 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 out there and is an ever present thing, and that's possibly more of a reflection on on British economic society than anything else. But you know, you didn't see an awful lot of that in in Japan, and I know it, it must be there. But I think. I think shame within that culture is a big thing. Like in the UK, if someone's not happy about their life or their lot, they're quite happy to rant and shout at people or be angry on a bus about it or or start their day angry and 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 start taking it out on people. Whereas I guess that stoicism in the Japanese just just presents a bit more of a calm, collected demeanour. And and I think I'm missing that a little bit already. And um, I mean, it's just it's a nice thing, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I, you know, it's an amazing place to be, and everyone is so polite but there are there is there comes a point where where actually you've got to get on the bus first mate because do you know what i mean like <laughs> it's just not practical for me to get on the bus in front of you stop stop saying there that can, can be just, some hanging around it's almost over politeness at times which which you know is way better than just being full of um the place being full of completely rude you know, idiots but there are some things that that, that that just seem a bit bizarre to me like you, you know i'd finished a bottle of water today and I proceeded to spend the next three hours walking around with it in my hand. <laughs> well, you were quite attached to it. There's no uh, bins yeah. anywhere. And it's just like, it's the cleanest place in the world. So uh, everyone is walking around. All their backpacks are full up with rubbish, no doubt, because there are no bins anywhere that you can put your, your rubbish into. <laughs> but I think on the flip side of what you're saying with regards to poverty, it's quite interesting to hear what happened with regards to the shelters that were being put up for Typhoon Hagibis in that in the, those that were homeless weren't allowed into those makeshift shelters they've been turned yeah, away yeah that's mental or at least the at least at least the was it the officials were saying that but then actually the Japanese people were saying no that's not right maybe there's some some sort of weird messaging going on there that was what I heard I yeah just thought, I was like wow yeah I mean, there is there's an element of of perhaps societal repression in in Japan. They they like their cartoon characters everywhere, and and I think I think the state likes their their uh, their people to feel a little bit a little bit immature and told what to do. But um, but yeah, I'm I'm missing Japan. I'm missing I'm missing its organisation, its calmness, and its cleanliness. Um, but uh, but such it is. We've got four massive games to look forward to. Uh, so let's crack on with those. Um, and I think we've we, well we'll start in chronological order, which means the first game to discuss is oh. England against Australia. Um, Eddie Jones named his team uh, for that ma- for that match. He's made three personnel changes. Mako Vunapola is back in place of Joe Marler, who drops to the bench. Courtney Laws replaces George Cruz in the second row. And Henry Slade comes in at outside centre with Tuilangi switching to 12. It's no more George Ford with Owen Farrell moving to fly half. Now, what do you make of that selection there, Tom? Because um, I think a lot of people were starting to think that, that Eddie Jones really did like going back to this Ford-Farrell combination. Do you think that's been a bit of a bluff for certain games? And, and now when we get to the, to the real meat of the competition, he's bringing in the big guns? No, I don't think it's a bluff at all. I think, I think George Ford has been playing some of the best rugby I think I've seen him play over the past um, or the previous games that, that he's been asked to, to lead his team. Um, you know, not, not only lead it from um, a positional 
standpoint, but also from you know he's captain the side recently as well, hasn't he? So um, he's obviously a mm. player that, that that Eddie likes. Um, I wonder whether this is the team that you know perhaps was going to feature against the French. Unlikely that you're going to throw Henry Slade back in, given how little rugby he's had since that that yeah. sort of slight injury that he's had. Um, given that he hasn't played a huge amount of rugby, to, to to throw him back in at a quarter final stage, it makes me think that that perhaps you know he would have been given a shot elsewhere. Um, so you think he, he would have been in the in the training and in the running leading up to the France game that wasn't called off? So yeah, he is a little bit more ready, basically. I think so, but. You know, I, th- I also, you know, I, I did like the balance that, that Manu Tuolangi and Henry Slade had in the centre. Um, I think I think Manu, even without the ball, he he attracts two or three defenders towards him. Um, and yeah, Henry well, Slade's got to, this to, amazing balance to move off the ball w- without actually holding the ball, which is so difficult to defend. He's a glidey yeah. centre. He's sort of a... He's a Guska-esque style outside centre, isn't he? With that sort of leaning um, arc yeah. that he goes on. And he's actually quicker than a lot of people give him credit for, I think. Um, yeah, so yeah, absolutely. You, you know, I, I, I'm looking forward to seeing it, it, it start against the Australians. And that back line, incidentally, for those that are sensing a bit of familiarity about it, it is the side that started and, and smashed Ireland in the Six Nations, um, bar Anthony Watson for Jack Knoll. Um I mean, Eddie Jones will probably be gutted that he can't call on someone like Jack Noll for this because he doesn't even make the uh, the full 23. Jonathan Joseph is the man who, who wears that number 23 shirt. Um, and I think this is... We've got a couple of stats for the match. Um, Tuolangi and both Mako and Billy Vunapola. Good news as well, I should say, that Billy is back um, after taking what was clearly a bit of a knock in that last match. Um, yeah, Tuolangi and both Vunapola start for just the third time. Um, the other two games were Ireland and France in the Six Nations, where, across 100 119 minutes together, England scored 62 points and conceded 21. That is front foot ball, right? Yeah, I mean, these guys are just never fit at the same time, are they? Um, all of them yeah. have had big injuries, niggling injuries, ridiculous injuries, um, you know, ones that have kept them out for ages, um, repetitive injuries. They're never uh, you know, fully fit. Now we've got three players that are hopefully firing on all cylinders because they're going to need to be let's face it they can't there can't be anyone going into this game that um is not anywhere above 90% fit um and those people that turn around and go well that's not fully fit believe me that is a fully fit rugby player um you know <laughs> I, I think um i think i think it's an exciting prospect to have those three players um in together um you know and uh, we're going to learn a lot about these these guys, the likes of Kyle Sinclair at, at prop, I think him in a, him in a, a quarter final of a World Cup, does the pressure that that um, maybe he finds himself under? Do, does the discipline then start to waver? That might be a question mark. Um, hopefully, it won't. Where are Tom Curry? Certainly and Sam going to be a target Underhill? area from the Aussies, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. They'll definitely try and get under his skin. Tom Curry and Sam Underhill. How can they compete against Hooper and Pocock? You know, that's really interesting. Both very young. Um, you know, I can't wait for it. 
just a bit of perspective on it as well. Those moments when you go into games and Australia haven't beaten England since World Cup 2015 at Twickenham, as we all may remember. Um, but uh, you sort of, as players, maybe as fans, you think, oh, well, we know what the Australians are capable of and um, they can spring a surprise. They've got the, the know-how. They've got the rugby nous. Um But imagine if you're Courtney Laws. You go into this game having won your last 10 matches against Australia. That's it's quite something, isn't, isn't it? it? It was like Marrow when he first started playing. Just never lost. Yeah, he hadn't lost. Yeah. yeah. What do you reckon he um, did when he first so, lost? So that, burst out crying, probably. Uh, yeah, I would assume so. The the enormous bloke. Um, Johnny May went his 50th cap as well. That's worth a mention. He might be worth a little look as well in terms of try scoring because he's try, mm. scored a try in each of his two previous appearances against Australia in 2017 and 2018. Um, so their opponents then, Australia. Five changes to the team that beat Uruguay 45-10 in their last pool stage match. Alala um, Alatoa, Alala La La La, Michael Hooper, Wilgenia, Christian Leofano. Mate, how many Hodge, A's um, has he got in his name? One, two, three, four, five. That, there it? Might have been some gentle cultural misappropriation from me there. Um, my apologies to uh, Alala Toa. He's got eight um, A's and four, four L's. I mean, the T's lucky to get a look in, as is the N. <laughs> <laughs> um, Meanwhile, back at the team news, Rhys Hodge returns to the starting 15 to take England on. Um, and then the big news, Jordan Pattaya moving from the right wing to the 13 shirt. Um, I mean, there are a few people suggesting, is the change in England's midfield uh, to do with the expectation of Samu Karevi, uh, with George Ford dropping down and, and them going for, for Tuilangi and Slade? Um, but then, you know, Chequers gone with Pattaya in that outside centre position. Um, and, uh, and also, yeah, as we mentioned, Rhys Hodge back in after... Uh, his suspension following the uh, the high tackle on Yato of Fiji. What do you make of, of that midfield tinkering? Well, that back line is lumpy. I mean, Corabetti is a human pinball. Karevi is a machine. Pattaya is a big lad. He might only be 19, but he's a big unit. Reese Hodge, mm. he's back, um, you know, quite happily to have a have a good old shot at uh, Pacelli Yato. You know, he's obviously quite big. And Curtly Beal, um, you know, we know we know a lot about him anyway. So I think the physicality is something that Eddie Jones would have thought about. Probably not um, all the way through the back line. He's, he's probably thought, right, if we can dominate them up front and we can get parity or, or dominate those forwards, the, the, the Australian pack might suffer, which would mean that those guys would be starved of possession slightly. Um, mm. Certainly, Pattaya is a lot more physical than James O'Connor, um, and I saw him play in the under twenties in the um, you know when it was in France a couple of years ago. He yeah, was just yeah. skipping round people, knocking people over, um, embarrassing players at times. And they they sort of you know in the under twenties when they pin that thing on players and they go right this one's going to be the first first to make it into the international setup and take the world by by storm. He was probably one of three that they stuck that on. Um, mm. So. I think also he he was picked in this tournament when he wasn't fit, so he mm. didn't play all the way through till Uruguay. I don't think. So Checkers obviously had his eye on him and thought, right, when this guy's fit, he's playing for me. So it's quite interesting yeah. that he's brought straight in um, at this stage of the tournament. Well, Genia uh, is starting as we mentioned. Uh, Matt Tamua, James O'Connor on the bench. Nick White is there as well. Uh, Scott Co, David uh, Pocock, Michael Hooper, and Will Genia all started the last time England beat. Uh, sorry, Australia beat England uh, in that game in Rugby World Cup 2015. And mentioning Pattaya, he is the first player born this century to play in a Rugby World Cup knockout match, the young 
whippersnapper. So uh, how do you see this one going? They, they leave out the likes of Adam Ashley Cooper, obviously from the squad, 121 caps, Sakopi Kepu, 110, Rob Simmons, 100. It's another example of not going with experience for experience's sake. Uh, they do still have plenty of it in that Australia side. Um, but, uh, but they've got some breakdown merchants and, and a cheeky little bit of pace and invention as well. So can you see them troubling England too much or are, yeah. are, are you are you like many thinking this is this is a fairly easy effort for England no I don't think it's an easy effort I know I know they've won the last four games against Australia by uh, a minimum of 30 points but I don't think this has got any bearing on it um, you know if Australia are able to leave what 330 odd caps on the out of the squad then mm. you must be feeling pretty confident about where your own game is at and I think Michael Checker yeah. has been at pains this week, hasn't he, to 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 say that he he's not focusing on what England do. He want, he's all about their their systems. He's not even looking at too much footage or anything like that of England. He wants them to concentrate on what they're doing, do that well, and then they'll they'll know that they'll be in with a shout for coming out of the of the game on the right side of the result. And do you think that we occasionally get duped into the into the full power of the Australian team because they often come over here at the end of their season in November, uh, play a few internationals, and and we all say by the time they come here, even if it's particularly if it's the third or fourth international in that November window, they've got one foot on the beach. Those those kind of phrases. So we're never really sure how up for those games they are, as much as athletes don't like to lose and and all that side of things. Whereas we've seen Australia beat New Zealand in the rugby championship in 2019. So they can do it on a day when they want to. They can. I mean, England have beaten them down there in their own patch as well um, since 2015. So I think I think England is certainly going to go into this game a lot more confident about 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 the recent runs and the fact they've got Courtney Laws in the team who doesn't doesn't lose to Australia. But I think this is going to be pretty close, as you'd expect in the World Cup quarter final. I don't think I don't think there's going to be much in it. I'd love to be proved wrong and England romp home with a win. But um, I think it's going to be a great game. Obviously, the roof will be on in Oita, uh, and it's pretty warm, nice conditions to be playing running rugby. So um, I can see England winning. I'm going to say. By not much. I was going to give you a score, but I won't. Fair enough. Well, uh, well, one man who knows all about Australia, he has captained the side, of course. He spent a couple of years at Harlequins as well, is uh, is the former Wallaby skipper James Horwell. Well, James, it's a pretty big battle. There is no lo- love lost ever between Australia and England. How much are you looking forward to this quarterfinal? Yeah, look, I think it's uh, it's going to be a huge game. It's... Um... You know, it's a, it's a game that, you know, there's a lot of obviously chat around the outside. You know, there's obviously with Czech and uh, Eddie, you know, they've been pretty quiet this week, um, which is usually means that they're, they're quite serious about this and they're not sort of playing too many games, but it's a game with a lot of feeling. Uh, there's a lot of people in both camps that probably know each other pretty well. So, look, I, I think it's a... Um, it's going to always be an enjoyable game, and I'm, I'm looking forward to, to watching it on Saturday morning UK time. Yeah, um, Tom May and I have just been discussing uh, Jordan Pattaya. I mean, handed a debut start in an out, or sorry, uh, you know, a debut role as, as an outside centre in a huge Test match like this. Um, we'll get onto your specialty of forward packs in a minute, but, but that that's some serious backing. That's that sort of All Black style backing of a youngster to do a job, isn't it? Yeah, look, he's um, he's had a lot of raps on him, Jordan, since he, he came on, and you know I'd, I'd heard about him from a couple of years ago at a schoolboy level. Um, and look, he's he's a, he's he, from all I can see, he he looks like the real deal. Um, 
He's got the pace, the size, um, the power, and he just doesn't seem to get phased, which I think is a, a great talent for a young kid. He's, you know, sometimes when you throw these sort of young kids into these big occasions, you know, it's almost the, the naivety that plays in his favour that he's not sort of too stressed about how big of an occasion it is, a World Cup quarterfinal. He's just excited to go out there and play rugby, and, you know, sometimes that brings the best out in And also probably England don't know a lot about him, uh, and, you know, he, he, he would have played a lot more tests this year if he didn't get an injured sort of game two of the, the Super Rugby season. I imagine he would have been a mainstay of that test side. It's just he's, he's picked up a few injuries at, at, a, at annoying times that probably would have got test debuts uh, a couple of years earlier. So, look, he's, uh, he's, a, he's a very big talent, uh, and I'm excited to see how he goes at 13, which will be a big challenge for him. Yeah, I, lo- I love the sort of the, the idea of that youth and that, as you say, that sort of lack of being phased by it. Just, oh, yeah, just another game of footy. Um, yeah, pretty much. That's it. It's just basically him running around in the park with his mates. So <laughs> um, I think that can that can certainly be a bonus compared to, I guess, people that have been there before and definitely have sort of the, not the mental scarring, but something similar. You know, they have that sort of idea of what it is it's what it should be you know this is a bit this, this could be the last one and he's just you know he'll be going out there and just going you know what I'm just going to play rugby again and I'm pretty good at this so yeah. uh, we'll see where it gets to yeah um with your experience in the premiership you'll you'll be familiar with the likes of um with Jamie George uh, and uh, and Mako Vernapola and of course your former teammate at Quinn's Carl Sinclair who's given the start to go up against Scott CEO Tolalatu and uh, Alala Toa um then big second rows, Isaac Rodder, Rory Arnold, and then the uh, the Pooper combo with Nicerani at, at number eight. So what do you make of that? how that forward battle might unfold? Oh, look, I think it'll be, um, you know, the set piece is always going to be a, um, a big challenge. I think in the probably the previous years, um, the, the Wallabies set piece probably hasn't been as functioning as well as it is at the moment. Um, I think the particular line-out's been going quite well in previous years. That's probably been a little bit of an Achilles heel, and you know we know how good um, the English line-out is and can be um, with the jumpers that they have available. Um, so look, I think it's a it should be a very interesting battle. I think both teams have got you know that mix of sort of raw aggression plus speed. Get over the over the over the ball. Um, you it, know, obviously, it's arguably so, it's arguably sorry, it's it's arguably Carl Sinclair's biggest game for England to date. Do you think the sort of you know his issues with being a little bit hot headed are behind him enough for for that not to be a worry for Eddie Jones or knowing knowing the Aussies are they going to target winding him up? No, I don't think they will target him too much. I think it's you know everyone understands how big a role discipline has played in this World Cup already. For across all teams, you know, anyone that gets on the wrong side of referees, you know, teams that are struggling and, you know, they're not afraid to, 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 you know, lay the letter of the law down quite, quite quickly. So I think, you know, Australia have had their issues early in the tournament, um, with discipline, not so much, you know, winding players up, but, you know, with, with a few high tackles and losing guys to, to the Simbin. So that's got to be certainly something that's quite prevalent in their mind that they're interested in, you know, making sure that they keep 15 guys on the field at one time because we know how damaging England could be without, without that happening. So I don't think Sink will, will be worried too much about it. I think he's going to, he's, you know, slowly learnt over his, over his career that, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a fine line and it's about, you know, balancing on that line for him that I think, uh, you know, when he plays his best rugby, yeah. you don't want him to go inside his shell because that's what makes, you know, that's his point of difference, I guess. Yeah. To a lot of other players. 
Yeah, agreed. Um, well, finally, then, in terms of this sort of Australia-England rivalry, they, Australia, it's fair to say, probably over the last few years, haven't really been at the party. And Tom May and I were just discussing, obviously, the last win Australia had was in 2015 in the World Cup, famously. Someone like Courtney Laws, who's who's beaten Australia in his last 10 internationals. But the timing of those November games, these sorts of things can, can perhaps play into the argument as to how up for those games Australia have been. It's a year where they've beaten New Zealand in the Rugby Championship, as we've said. Um, they they're certainly capable of getting up for these games and 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 being being there to be counted, aren't they? Yeah, I think that you know, World Cups are it's a it's a beast of its own. You know, it's it's a it's a once in four year event, and everything that's come before doesn't really count for anything. It's you know, the all teams wanted to get to the knockout stages. They're here now, and now you've got you've got this is your first of three games to win win the trophy that is the most coveted in, in international rugby, so or in rugby in general. So look it's it's a big occasion. I think the previous matches don't really count for a lot. This is a one off game and it's about winning and, and putting in a performance that they know I guess from a Wallabies point of view that we know that they're capable of and if they do that I'm quite confident they can get the job done Yeah okay well uh, you played with five of the guys who were playing in this game in Brisbane in uh, in your last match with the Wallabies in 2016 um, how do you see this one turning out? It's Australia need to start well in games you know you look at the Wales game when they were challenged they didn't start well they, they turned over too much possession I think we can see that we're going to that the Wallabies are playing a high possession style of rugby um, and so to do that, you need to be able to maintain possession. So if if England get on the front foot with by penalties or, or loose carries, then you know Farrell doesn't miss many, and you know England are very good at at leading. You don't want to be chasing against England. So I think the importance for for Australia is to get out the blocks early, mm-hmm. hold on to the ball, and challenge England. I guess in ways I don't think that they've been challenged yet this tournament. So our thanks to James Horwell for his time. Of course, studying in Cambridge now. He's going to be playing in the varsity match, um, which I'm going to be commentating on. So looking forward to uh, to that. That'll be a nice surprise for whoever turns up from from Oxford. Oh, yeah. oh hello, oh, James Horwell. God. Great. Yeah. Ireland, New Zealand. Let's uh, let's look on to that. Uh, Steve Hansen making three changes to the starting 15, which played Namibia. Um, Kieran Reid returns to the side in place of Shannon Frizzell. Uh, Shannon Frizzell has to be the name of his hairdresser. Uh, Richie Moonga is is back at fly half instead of Geordie Barrett, who drops to the 23 shirt. Bowden Barrett replaces Ben Smith at fullback. There's no Ben Smith. There's no Ryan Crotty. There's a midfield of Anton Leanett Brown and Jack Goodhue. Uh, Brady Retallick, Samuel Whitelock, they play together in the second row for the 53rd time. Um, and Leanett Brown and Goodhue starting in the centres for only the third time. Um, there's a bit of tinkering. There's a lot of backing of young talent here. And Steve Hansen typically will be entirely unapologetic. Well, I think New Zealand, out of all of the eight teams, have probably got the most embarrassing depth out of all of them. Um, they could, they could embarrassingly put any, good. You mean? Yeah. Um, you know, I think they could put out any fifteen or any twenty-three, and you'd be like, "Oh God, they're so good." The fact that Leonard Brown and Goodhue have been picked in the centre, and there's no Crotty and no Sonny Bill Williams, it says it all to me. Um, yeah. You know, Crotty, you just know exactly what you're going to get time and time and time again. Maybe they pick Goodyear for his ridiculous Barnet that they they feel needs airing on the world stage. But um, you know, I think um, to, to bring on Sonny Bill Williams uh, after sort of I don't know fifty five minutes, sixty minutes. I mean, as an Irish player, you're just thinking, please, no, life can't get any harder. Um, you know, I yeah. think his offloading game at that stage of the game uh, with their 
talented runners is very very difficult to stop um i think yeah. what's also pretty interesting is actually you know when new zealand go for two bolters in inverted commas in in Seve Reese and george bridge yeah they, these guys go in and they start you know that yeah incredible, and, isn't and it? they've performed brilliantly during this world cup and they're now playing on you know in a, in a world cup quarter final and um one of the world's best players over the past number of years Ben Smith doesn't even get a sniff yeah well I mean if you look back to that match which a lot of people will be in uh, in November 2018 when Ireland beat New Zealand uh, they uh, they had seven different players on the field that day who don't play uh, certainly in the starting 15 two in a, two in a coffee Owen Franks Liam Squire Rico Ioani Ryan Crotty as we mentioned Ben Smith and Damian McKenzie so uh, so they're not in if we start to look at the Ireland team um, we'll 12 of the starting 15 started in that game um, of, of the Irish starting 15 and, and Connor Murray and Robbie Henshaw are two players that were injured that day so they come into it and Ian Henderson who started on the bench so Healy, Best, Furlong, Henderson, Ryan, Omani, Van der Fleer and Stander they're going to need that power in that back row aren't they and then and then Murray and Sexton starting together uh, and then Henshaw and Ringrose, Earls and they've gone with Rob Carney at the back with Jordan Lama dropping out so Again, some interesting looks of, of bringing Henshaw from 13 into 12. Yeah, I th- well, I think he's more of a direct replacement for Bundyaki, isn't he, but Robbie Henshaw? Um, Gary yeah. Ringrose is a, is a definite 13. Um, you know, we've we've seen him being, or heard him being likened to Brian O'Driscoll. You would never put but him at 12 because you just want to give Ringrose the space in those outside channels. Now, Henshaw can probably cope with anything that, that comes down that sort of 10, 12 um, alleyway pretty easily I would think um, yeah. I was quite surprised about Rob Carney I thought Jordan Lama did brilliantly against against yeah. the Samoans and I just wondered whether Schmidt might think to himself right, rather than going with a bit more of a pragmatic old experienced head they might go with Jordan Lama thinking to themselves right we have to try and create something out of, out of nothing at times here um, and what, yeah, look, I wonder whether also part of it is is to do with the fact that I mean New Zealand are one of the sides that kick away the most ball, aren't they? So yeah. maybe they just want to trust the absolute banker under it as Carney more so than Lama. Yeah, I mean, my my one concern I think for Ireland there would be Jacob Stockdale. I think from a finishing mm. point of view, he's he is outstanding. If he gets a sniff, you know he he. Either gets very close to or pulls pulls that pulls something out of the bag and scores a try. I think defensively gets caught out too many times um, when he steps in or, to sort of try and hit man and ball. He doesn't very often connect, um, and if he yeah. doesn't connect against New Zealand, they've got the skills and the 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 wherewithal to get the ball into the channel that he's just vacated. Once they're in in yeah. the hole out there, see you later. Yeah, good night, Vienna. Um, yeah, well, that's how things are looking across all of all of these four teams. Um, as uh, as we sort of round off, because we are going to leave you with a preview for these two games, and then uh, and then we'll come back tomorrow, uh, Friday, UK time, with uh, with a preview to the next two quarterfinals. Once we've got all the team news in, um, you're noticing a, a bit of a thread in those midfields. Well, yeah, the, the, there's obviously been a, a selection headache for Eddie Jones about that midfield, whether they go with Ford Farrell. Um, or where they put Slade back in, so they've gone with Slade. Um, it's it's obviously an area that all of these teams are having to tinker. Now, Ireland have had to tinker through through Bundyaki's red card, so that's mm. that would have stayed the same. I would I would guess. 
Um, New Zealand have, have picked good Hugh and Leonard Brown, who you know I don't think many people would have gone with those two together. Um, if they were saying who New Zealand would have picked, Pattaya's in in the midfield for Australia, and and I guess that's a, a bit of a, uh, a selection that, that perhaps not many might have chosen. Um, and yeah. then who, who was the other? Well, yeah, then, the, then there's the English team as well. So you know, I think um, I think it's quite an interesting area where obviously teams are trying to or having to make changes. Um, and it potentially provides weakness, but it also potentially provides a huge strength for each of those teams. A lot of focus is going to be on that Ireland-New Zealand game after the England match as well to see whether the Irish can do the rest of the World Cup a favour and knock out the All Blacks. What chance do you give them? None. <laughs> right, that's pretty categoric. Yeah, I think I just I've commentated on a couple of the Irish games throughout this tournament, and I don't think they're anywhere near where they need to be to, to beat New Zealand. Now, I'd love to be proved wrong, and if there's any team that can raise their game to a t- particular level um, and take something from the confidence they've got in themselves in that they've done it a couple of times over the past few years, then then the mm. Irish are probably them. Uh, but yeah, I, I think, as Kean Healy's pointed out this week, games at this stage of a, of a Rugby World Cup are very different to, to any other fixture. Yeah, well, plenty to uh, to get your teeth into in terms of the two lineups, um, and uh, and plenty of options to look at from our sponsor, of course, Betfred. The Rugby Report Japan 2019 is sponsored by Betfred. Quarter final time, and the specials from Betfred continue to roll in. England to win both halves, Australia to score the first try. Hopefully not. Maybe a successful drop goal in the New Zealand Ireland game. All of those bets are available on the Betfred app or on the Betfred website. Whenever you bet on the action in Japan, Betfred. 18s and over, begambleaware.org, singles only, maximum stakes apply, limited availability. When the fun stops, stop. Visit betfred.com for full T's and C's. So two games then on Saturday, quarterfinal one, quarterfinal two, England against Australia, followed by New Zealand, New Zealand Ireland. Uh, Tom May going with England and New Zealand, correct? Correct. I think, I think those two will get through by the skin of their teeth. And what a semi-final that could prove to be. Uh, we will be back with a preview then to the next two semi-finals. We'll get the team news in and uh, and keep an eye on your own podcast provider to see us dropping in uh, in a matter of days or hours. Um, thank you very much, Tom May. Cheers, mate. Don't forget to leave us some reviews and ratings on Apple Podcasts. Uh, it would be great to hear what you make of the Rugby Report show. Um, and uh, also keep in touch with us on Twitter at the Rugby Report underscore. We would love to hear what you're making of events and scorelines and, uh, and your chance to find former England centre Tom May out there in Japan and have a good old rant to him about how you think things are going. Uh, that's it then. We look forward to joining you well, tomorrow. You won't have long to wait. But for now, all the best. This has been a Rugby Media production.